Welcome to Purple Paradise, a Huskies football podcast made just for you, the listener. Prepare to laugh and cry and be enlightened as Jake and G recap and preview every game all season long. Now here are your hosts, Jake and G. All right, here we are, Purple Paradise, paradising it up. Uh, it's Jake here with G. G, say hello. Hello, welcome to the Purple Paradise podcast. We are happy to have you listening. This is going to be the first episode to go live. And uh, G, there's a lot of buzz around uh, this new podcast. So much buzz. Uh, it's excited. I think there's a lot of uh potential for this thing to go viral and blow up. There's people really craving this. Um, I talked to our mom and she said, uh, and I quote, oh, that's nice. And so <laughs> that's exciting. Um, there's people out there that think this is a nice, I had, a, I talked to my wife and she said, um, I'm glad you're finally doing this. You've been wanting to do it for a while. So I feel like people out there are really glad that this is happening. We're, we're bringing gladness and niceness. Um, I talked to a friend of mine and they said, Oh, I would give that a listen. And so, there, you know, we got people that are willing to, uh, we have hungry, I'll say hungry, avid listeners, potentially on the wings. So a lot of buzz. I don't know. Have you been hearing, what kind of buzz have you been hearing? This is just stuff I've been hearing. Yeah. My, my husband said, cool, that'll be fun. So he thinks it's, it's fun. He, he will definitely listen. So we got another listener. Another listener. Listener right there. And cool. I mean, I think that just encapsulates what we're bringing. You're bringing some, you know, some really cool podcasters. So, my, yeah. My nephew Ezra, also your son, he's he's very excited about the Purple Paradise podcast. Yep. He's a potential guest at times. Kind of can bring some buzz to the third and fourth grade audience, which... So I mean, it's it's tough to um, tough to live up to the hype, the expectations, and the buzz. But uh, uh, we're we're gonna do do our very best to do that. So we're we're going in. We're a few weeks into the season. So what we wanted to kind of do is recap where we're at. We're we're three games in, two and one. And what, how do you how do you think we should best recap this? Um, we're just gonna go through each game. We're gonna say on. On each game, something you loved about that game and something that you hated about that game. It will just be a quick, unique recap for you guys to listen to our loves and hates for each game. And we have a really, really, um, I think, creative title for this. It's called Love Hate. Love Hate. I'll just what do you love? What do you hate? I'll repeat that in case you didn't catch it the first time. Eastern Washington game. Uh, I love the way we started. I felt like everything that as as fans, we were hoping and dreaming of seeing with Jacob Eason. Uh, we saw we saw right out of the way, right out of the gate, that just um, beautiful toss of a dime. It just looked like he was barely even trying and the ball just sails 55 yards through the air. I was listening to Hugh Millen the other day and he he, he said, we, we've never seen this type of arm in, in, a, in a Huskies jersey before. I mean, this is a, a rare, incredible talent and here he is in a Huskies uniform and right off the bat, that 50-yard touchdown pass to Bocelli uh, just, I mean, it was just a laser. And 
such a thing of beauty. It brought a single tear to my eye that just dropped down in, I mean, it's up there with, you know, when you first hold your newborn baby. Um, I felt like I was holding a newborn baby quarterback in my arms and just so much joy at that moment. I loved that. Other moment I loved, I loved uh, the Richard Newton touchdown, uh, opening drive, fourth and two, Wildcat formation. We lost Gaskin. You're wondering, are we still going to have Wildcat? That was a pretty effective tool for us with Gaskin, but obviously it takes a unique player to be able to run it and run it well. And Richard Newton just blows up the middle, touchdown right out of the gate. And, and we've seen in these first three games, the Wildcat be very, very effective, not to get ahead of ourselves, but loved Richard Newton and loved kind of just the um, strength, power, and speed that that guy's bringing as a redshirt freshman and loved uh, loved the way Jacob Eason played. Thought he was just sharp in, in the short throws, the quick throws, the long throws. He just looks scary for defenses out there. That's my, that's my love for, for game one. How about you? So there, there was so much to love about that game, obviously. I'm coming with a, a little bit of a unique love. What I really loved about that game and the first thing that I, I think of looking back on it from a couple weeks ago were our defensive coordinator, Jimmy Lake's sunglasses. Those Ooh. sweet Ray-Bans, the rock in those shades. Uh, I had the, like the little, ref the 80s reflection. Like, I feel like he could have been in the movie Top Gun with those. Uh, like. I for sure wanted a pair. Like every time they showed his face, I was like, ooh, I love those sunglasses. So if I, if I think of the word love, I I mean, Jimmy Lake's sunglasses right there. I'm like, right then. I was just waiting for him at any moment to say, that's right, Ice Man. I am dangerous. <laughs> it was just, yeah, he, he pulled those off. Uh, those, I had completely forgotten about those, but man, that really, you nailed that. Those those were great. And Jimmy Lake, he's, he's definitely cool enough to pull those off. Like, I think if Chris Peterson put those on, everyone would be like, <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're trying pretty hard there. Uh, but on Lake, you're just like, yeah, man. You you work those sunglasses. He he led the defense right into the danger zone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Okay, hate. Um, what did you hate about that game? Um, for me, for me, there wasn't, you know, it was a beautiful game. There wasn't much to hate or dislike. I, I was thoroughly bummed. Uh of the week coming heading in that that Jake Hayner transferred, uh, you know, seeing how incredible Eason is, and that that Hayner reportedly, um, you know, was very very close to being the starter. I was very curious to see what he was going to bring in the second half of the game. At the end of the day, uh, as long as Eason stays healthy, I think you know we're thrilled to have him at quarterback. But but I was a bit disappointed to one lose what was going to be a really strong backup. And, and B, I wanted to kind of see with my own eyes um, what is it that Hayner was bringing to the table that made this such a close uh, quarterback race when Eason is such a physical specimen. And so I was a little bummed um, to see that. It was it was more of a love bummed than a love hate. Not much to hate about week one. Yeah, I didn't. I don't have a hate from week one. That that's too strong of a word for how great of a game it was for the Huskies. So I'm just going to have to say no hate for me. Week no one. hate. Oh, look at that. No hate. <laughs> it, 
And and now we're moving on to a game where it's going to be a little, uh, bit, little bit the opposite. Uh, it might be hard for us to find something to love, easy for us to find plenty to hate. So just search deep inside yourself, Jake, and tell me from the Cal game, what did you love? about that game oh gosh we want to start with love or i think we got to start with hate <laughs> here so we can have some positive to end off because uh i just want to get this hate part over with and move on with the show so i'm i'm gonna change the order here i oh, i mean everything about that game you just kind of left a sour taste in your mouth like Opening kickoff, Sean McGrew makes makes a beautiful run, but then he kind of just hesitates and stutters, and you're and you're wondering like, oh, if he didn't slow down, he might take that to the house instead of the guy catching him from behind. It was just, it was like you loved the, his moves, and then it was just you could tell a little bit of inexperience of not knowing that you got to keep that burst going so no one gets catches you from behind, and then you know uh, we've. It's this has been hammered all over the place. Jacob Eason on on the third and long, sliding short of the first down, and it was just kind of like, uh oh, is this going to be one of those day? And then lightning, and you know we get the whole delay, which I hated the delay. I had actually I was on a road trip, and had driven five six hours, called all around to find a hotel that had Fox Sports One so I could watch the game, and you know make it to my hotel, make it to to uh, the room in time, get the game on, so excited. Um, you know, made it with like three minutes to spare. Ezra was with me, my oldest son. We're excited to watch the game. And then all of a sudden you're just in a delay. And you know, the second that delay is going, you're going, oh, this is going to be one of those weird games. Because I, I think we're much better than Cal. I just think we're much, much better. I mean, they went the next week, this last week, and they barely beat the North Texas Mean Green. And they barely beat UC Davis before that. And, ah, you know, they give us matchup issues, yes. But B, there's that weird late-night super delay. Hated that. And then, of course, when the delay was over, just, you know, hate everything about what our defense did to not tackle and miss tackles. And the young guys looked like young guys. But nothing did I hate more in the – as many as the things there were to hate in that game, nothing did I hate more than the dropped passes. Dropped passes are such momentum killers and soul suckers from an offense. And yeah, Eason's numbers were terrible. He had a fumble. He had an interception. He was sliding too early. At the end of the day, I think Eason would still have been able to get that offense going had there not been so many dropped passes. So... Uh, I was depressed, as you know, all week, feeling much better about the Hawaii game, but that brought me down. I, I saw my therapist, I think, five or six times, a psychologist a couple times, and I was ready to mail in the season and, and say we're going to lose every game for the rest of our lives. I was just, I was feeling that low. I felt like Tyrone Willingham was the coach again. I was feeling that sad about that game. Um, but, it, you know, that was an over overreaction and emotional, <laughs> emotional reaction. But boy, did I hate that game. I'm glad that's, I'm glad that's in the past. Yes, I'm glad it's in the past as well. I'm I, you touched on this a little bit, but the biggest thing I hated about that game was just the storm, the delay. I feel like the game should have been postponed to another day. Uh, I just keep thinking about that. What if they had have just postponed the game? I we would be in such a different spot 
So that's the biggest thing that I hated was just the decision to play at 10.30 at night. Uh, I know both teams played at 10.30 at night. I know they both had that same disadvantage, but I just think it really took away our home field advantage, and that's what I that's what I hated. Yeah, it absolutely crushed home field advantage. And Husky Stadium is one of the hardest places to play, one of the hardest places to play on the road. Uh, it hurt our momentum. I think we had come out with some good momentum and some good field position and looked strong, and all of a sudden you sucked the air out of, out of that. And, uh, yeah, if... If there's any way to be able to postpone that game, um, we I think we should have fought tooth and nail for it because the fans deserve that. And losing home field advantage against a team that beat us in a close game the year before, uh, you need every advantage you can get against Cal and in Pac-12 play. It's it's too pivotal and too important. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. All right, so let's... Like I said earlier, search deep into our hearts and find what we loved about that game. You know, I don't have to search too far. There was one moment of absolute jubilee for me, and that was two minutes left when uh, Peyton Henry goes out and hits a 49, near nearly a 50-yard field goal to what it looked like win the game for us. And as terrible as our field goal kicking has been as of late and as terrible as it specifically was with Peyton Henry last year and Peyton Henry being the just the ultimate goat uh, probably of all of 2018, especially costing us the Ducks game against, you know, a bitter rival. Um, for him to get that moment in the sun where he's this hero, I was so happy for him. And I, I was literally, I think I, I crouched down, was holding my hands together. I was just like, oh, Peyton, oh, I just, oh, I'm so happy for you. And thank you, thank you, thank you for making that kick. And I just had so much joy. I loved that moment. I loved seeing the players rally around this guy who was, like I said, the GOAT last year. And to see him make a big clutch kick in slippery weather and tense circumstances. He went four for four from field goals. I was so excited for him and for the team. And, you know, it's so sad that the defense folded like a deck of cards and let Cal just walk down and win it. Because, it, uh, man, if that would have been the moment to end that game, we would look back and think, man, what a crazy, fun, wild night that ended with Peyton Henry as the hero. But so excited for Peyton Henry um, making those kicks. And that's good news for us moving forward to have a guy that can kick that far that can make some kicks under pressure i, I hope this um yeah. i hope this is a new trend i hope i hope peyton henry is going to just mature into one of our stronger kickers in the future it's, he's still young and i think that can happen and it really showed he overcome a, a ton of adversity from 2018 to going to making a kick of that magnitude in those circumstances so i loved loved that those 30 seconds of joy <laughs> and then I went into my deep depression shortly after that yes and I'm sure that kick gave him a lot of confidence in the future that he can make something like that um, so I think that that was a good love moment back sorry we did we, just one quick interruption my nephew Gianna's son how to go to the bathroom and you know that happens when you're podcasting that happens in life and now we're back continuing love hey g tell me what did you love about this night where there was little to love what i loved were those ten thousand fans that stayed come on now go husky fans 
Awesome job. 10,000 of you staying, waiting almost three hours to watch your team play. And what I heard was, yes, we may have lost a little bit of our home field advantage, but I don't want to discredit those fans. I heard that they were still shockingly loud for such a small group. So good on you. I love you. That is what I loved about that game. Those fans go Huskies. We salute you fans. Uh, also, you're the only people that would ever listen to this. So uh, you have to be a pretty hardcore. I'll watch football until 1 30 in the morning in the middle of a lightning storm type of fan to listen to this. So we also appreciate you for, appreciate you for that. Keep on listening and keep on sharing with your friends and keep on being great fans. So let's move on to the game against Hawaii. 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 Uh, had a friend of a friend that said, no, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring that up. I'm not, <laughs> not going to bring that up. It's, we, what do we love hate about this game? Okay. Do we want to start with hate or we want to start with love here? Uh, let's just get the hate over with. Okay. Haters, haters got to hate. Hated the third quarter. Uh, hated the end of um, the very last drive of the second quarter and the whole third quarter. Hated it. Uh, it was kind of like, what in the world is going on? Um, too many fourth down conversions. Long drives. 20 unanswered points. And granted, I know we were up 38-0. to zero, uh, But you look at some of the things that caused that. And one, I don't like seeing fourth down conversions. Don't like, like seeing long drives. Like I would have been fine if there was, you know, even a 13-0 run where there's a touchdown and two field goals. But not being able to stop them in the red zone, not being able to hold them to some field goals, uh, that's troubling. It's troubling because there seems, you know, in back-to-back -back weeks, a trend of, of these long stretches of time. So it's not like one drive the defense has been giving up. Uh, which, you know, happens. It's going to happen. Offense is going to put something together no matter how good your defense is. What I don't like is that it, it seems to carry over into multiple drives. Um, we saw that with Cal where two out of three drives in a row, we could not stop them, and that's what cost us the game. And to see Hawaii be able to put up three consecutive touchdown scoring drives, um, hated that, and also hated that part of what, uh, made it that dominant third quarter for Hawaii was dropped passes again. In a game where there wasn't many drop passes, the receivers looked sharp. We had, in the third quarter, we saw drops again. I think three drops right then and there again. And man, it, I, it dropped passes are just scary as a fan because that'll just disable your offense so quickly and that multiple players are doing it. It's not just one guy that we can kind of just bench and say, look, you're, you can't catch the ball. It's everyone. Well, it seems like they'll catch the drops and they're like chicken pox out there. You know, it's like contagious. One guy drops it and you start seeing other guys drop it. It gets in players heads. They know oh, I can't drop it. Now they're thinking about dropping it. And uh, so I'm really hoping that moving forward, we are not seeing drop passes because these aren't like hard passes that they're, you know, aren't quite pulling in. These are just right in the numbers, zipping in there, dropping them. Uh, there's been some theories that some of that's just adjusting to the pace that Eason uh, throws with. 
And I definitely think that has something to do with it. And, and hopefully we see players get more and more used to that, especially since Eason had to split reps with Hayner that maybe receivers didn't get as many reps. And then you add, you know, game, real game pressure. Um, like the Cal game, you add the weather factor where it's wet and slippery. And now you're catching a ball at a pace that you've never caught one before. Um, I do think that has some, uh, some impact on why we're seeing that. But also I think it, you can't have that as an excuse. You have to learn how to catch these passes under any condition, especially when they're right in the hands and right in the numbers. So I hated the third quarter. Um, that's most of what I hated about that game. Yeah, the third quarter was definitely a little bit scary or actually a lot scary. They were really starting to move. Uh, so I hated that as well. What did you love about that game? I mean, we won, so I loved that. Yeah, I mean, the there was a lot, a lot, a lot to love about the game. Uh, Jacob Easton's command of the offense. Uh, you're you're seeing uh, the flashes of what could become, you know, an NFL superstar quarterback. The potential with with his arm and. The, the pace at which he he gets these short passes in and then uh, just the absolute beauty of some of these long passes, um, the deep pass to Fuller. I loved seeing Hunter Bryant dominate. I think uh, fans and coaches and everyone, we've been waiting for Bryant to be healthy. And I think everyone is always wondering, why isn't Bryant just getting the ball every single time? He's huge. He's fast. He's dominant give this guy the ball and man they did they gave him the ball and i love that it looks like easton is starting to gain some confidence in hunter bryant he's starting to look to hunter bryant and gear in on hunter bryant and the more and more that connection uh gets primed uh, i don't know how you're gonna stop easton to bryant with easton's arm and the pace at which he's throwing the angles he can throw and the deep ball and we saw all of it. We saw him hit Bryant for short routes. We saw him hit Bryant in a deep, deep ball. Um, and that weapon, I think, is super scary. I loved Easton to Bryant. And the other thing I loved is Richard Newton in the red zone. What was one of our biggest weaknesses last season? Red zone offense and not being able to figure out who are we in the red zone. And I think we saw that against Cal again. Struggled. Who are we in the red zone? Here's who I think we are and should be and hope that we will be. That we'll be a team that hands the ball to Richard Newton in the red zone because the guy is a monster. He breaks tackles and he just, he attacks the end zone with such ferociousness. Like he, you can tell that guy is just end zone hungry. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. He wants to get in there. And the last guy that, the last big running back that I've seen who, Love the end zone that much uh, was a guy named Sean Alexander. You remember Sean Alexander for the Seahawks, you know, broke records for touchdowns. Alexander, he he would get a, a, a bit of a rap for being soft out in the middle of the field, but the second you got Sean Alexander in the red zone, he was just too hard to tackle. He loved getting in there, and you see that with Richard Newton. Man, he's bringing just energy and passion, and and he's big, and he he just looks impossible to tackle. And I love seeing his three touchdowns. And if we have a red zone weapon, whether it's him in the Wildcat or him as the, as the um, single back, 
uh, I think he just looks dominant. So I'm hoping that in the future, our red zone offense is a steady diet of Richard Newton with the occasional play action pass um, to throw people off. But to me, it looks like a guy that's going to be unstoppable between the strength of our offensive line and the strength of him in the red zone. I, I loved that. And I really love the three running backs and the different things they bring. Ahmed with his breakaway speed around the edge. Um, Sean McGrew with his patience and his kind of hop around scat back moves, a little Miles Gaskin-ish. And then Richard Newton with just straight speed and power. Uh, I think that three-headed monster uh, that is going to be so hard for defenses to plan around. So loved that game, loved that win, needed it to, to heal from the week before emotionally as a as a fan and semi-expert, semi-unbiased podcaster. So great, great, great win. Uh, I definitely loved about that game a lot, but my big love is Miles Bryant. Two interceptions. What a beautiful game he had. Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. Well-deserved. I loved watching him play. I also was hoping to see our defense take advantage of Cole McDonald and his style as a quarterback. He throws a lot, um, but that leads to opportunities for interceptions. And boy, did Miles Bryant find those opportunities and take them. It was beautiful. Miles Bryant looked like that toddler whose parents have never taught him to share. Right? <laughs> like I, I like I, when he just ripped the ball away on that second or seven, just no, mine, mine. <laughs> like my kids do that. They're toddlers, they'll do that, just rip a toy out of the other person's hands and I and I have to get them in trouble. And no, we don't rip things out of people's hands. And as a parent, I almost first wanted to scold Miles Bryant, like, Miles, that is so rude. <laughs> like you need to learn to share. You need to ask. You need to say, May I please have that football? But no, Miles Bryant, it, it, it was like a spoiled toddler out there just going around going, that football's mine, that football's mine. And I loved it. Yeah, he was just phenomenal. Showed his leadership and bringing an air of confidence to that defense. He also had a sack. I mean, the guy was everywhere, uh, looked looked phenomenal. And it was, it was great to see also Cam Williams, uh, the true freshman, get an interception too. And yeah, start to get some turnovers as we hadn't had any turnovers heading into that game. And uh, and we, we need to get turnovers. So yeah, tip my hat to Miles Bryant. Um, I hope he plays like a spoiled toddler all season long. Don't share that football, Miles. It's yours. It belongs to you. Take it. Take it. Man, he just ripped it from his hands. That was yes, awesome. It that was. It awesome. was great. There was, there was definitely no sharing manners and... That's exactly what you want to see in your defense. That just aggressive, oh, I want this football. Yeah. It is ours, and that is how he played. It was beautiful. I loved it, definitely. I just love when the defense gets their hands on the football. It just makes me so excited. That's what I love about watching football. So um, that was so fun. Yeah, great stuff. Good, good, good win. All right. Off to the future. The future. The year 2000. <laughs> the distant future. The future looks like Utah. BYU. Brigham Young University. Provo. 
the land of the Mormons. I've been to Provo. It is very, very Mormony. Um, <laughs> yeah, this here, BYU, hard place to play. And all of a sudden, this game, at the beginning of the season, you looked at the schedule and you're like, okay, Hawaii, BYU, you know, and they, um, all of a sudden, this game is seems like a really big game. Uh, BYU, all of a sudden, it, it looks like this could be a, a huge win. I mean, last year we walked in, I think it was like 35-7, just dominated BYU. Uh, now, BYU is 2-1, and one, we're 2-1, but they've got some impressive wins. They won at Tennessee. Uh, they won um, last week against a ranked USC. And it's just crazy college football, how much changes in a week. Because a week ago, it looked like USC is back. This, this Keaton Slovis kid, this young freshman that came in because JT Daniels got injured and and put up 45 points on Stanford. USC is back. Their offense is back. They're too talented. Here they come. And then the next week, one week later, that same Stanford team gives up 45 points again, and you're going, wait, maybe Stanford's defense stinks because they just gave up 45 points in back-to-back weeks. And then this Keaton Slovis looks like our freshman, gets three turnovers against BYU and loses to BYU. And, and they, you know, Lynn Swan gets fired and you go from USC going, man, USC might be back to, wow, USC is a, now a train wreck. And it's just crazy how much can change in one week of college football. Now all of a sudden this BYU game, it's two two-on-one teams and BYU has got some big, good strong wins and it's going to be an interesting game and a tough game and yeah excited excited for saturday yeah i think that it it potentially could be a battle this saturday so i definitely when i saw the lineup for this season at the time looking at it i didn't really have any concerns about byu and just like you said things can change so quickly now I can see that they are in it to win it. They are a team of young men that are fighting, fighting for W's. And so that is a little bit scary to face. They are excited. Um, they're playing at home. We were just in Utah. We were at like 7,000 feet elevation. Mm-hmm. And just running, running on the treadmill there was rough. Like I felt the noticeable difference and here we have our huskies are going to go play there at 4500 feet elevation and i think even that just adds to an advantage utah has an extra byu has an extra home field advantage because of that elevation and they have their fans there it's definitely just an element that i wouldn't have thought about if i wasn't just experiencing exercising in higher altitudes. Yeah, Provo is a tough, it's just historically always a tough place to play. Um, you know, it's kind of just a, a, a weird town and in one sense a beautiful little town, uh, but rabid fans, you know, they, they do have a, a very devoted fan base. And then, yeah, you add the altitude factor um, and that is real. Yeah, I was playing catch with your husband, running some routes <laughs> myself, no big deal. <laughs> whatever you know i do what i do and i think both of us ran like three or four routes and we were just like <gasps> <gasps> like why are we so tired and we remember the altitude we're like are we this out of shape yeah yeah we are that out of shape but also the altitude amplified amplified it and yeah 
thought I was going to die. And <laughs> it, it is a real factor. And I, and I think you saw that in the USC game. USC wore out in the fourth quarter. Um, all of a sudden, that USC team that is faster, stronger, bigger than BYU, um, they just looked a little slower, a little more tired, a little sloppier. And so, uh, you know, how the coaches rotate our players on defense and offense uh, is going to have to is going to be a real factor. And I, I don't think we can afford for this to be a close game because here's what BYU has shown: one, they're going to be more used to the altitude if this is close, deep. Two, they show they got a lot of heart and passion after they've just won two overtime games. And um, I've had a third thing, but I forgot it. (laughs) I can add that three. Uh, Zach Wilson is a quarterback with legs. He likes to scramble. He likes to keep the play alive. He goes out of the pocket. And our defense, we have a history of not being the best with that kind of quarterback. Um, so I know that there's a little bit of fear of how are we going to keep him in the pocket so he can't get out of there and scramble and make those plays like he likes to do. Yeah, it's, I think it's nice that we played um, Eric Berrier in Eastern Washington the first game of the season since Berrier scrambles a lot. And I, I think we looked really, um, really strong against him. And um, even Garbers is, well, not as mobile, is a more mobile guy and... Um, and then even the run and shoot uh, with Cole McDonald and McDonald's backup who played a bunch of the game and I forgot his name already. Um, <laughs> you know, so we've, we actually haven't played a traditional drop back passer uh, yet. So I think th- we have that in our favor that at least um, we've seen a lot of this. I think Zach Wilson is the most talented out of, out of the guys we've seen. So there will be a different dimension. Um, but at least... You know, Barrier is probably close to the same talent level, but uh, Wilson's got more talent around him. And so I, I think that doesn't add a difficulty, but at least it's not something we haven't seen at all. And so far, I think we've looked pretty good uh, against that. Uh, so I'm glad about, glad about that. All right. So we gave a little bit of a, a preview for BYU. Um, now we're going to go to our segment, very uniquely named, Oh, oh no. no, and the Oh, oh No. Yes. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about both. <laughs> oh, oh No, Oh Yes, I Oh No, yeah. I messed that up. Yep. That's oh what... No segment is um, also followed by Oh Yes. I was so... alluding to that. That's <laughs> yes. what I was alluding to. <laughs> so the Oh No moment is just how are we going to Want, 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 lose this game. So the, the Eeyore part of the show. Yes, this is the sad part of the show. Um, the oh no, how will BYU beat us? Jake, take it away. Yeah, we. I think we've talked about some of the things that um, what if you had imagined a situation where we lose this game? Uh, I think that situation looks like one. We have not played on the road yet. Uh, we go on the road, and we just have some of those early road troubles that keeps the game close. Look at Cal. I think if we play Cal 10 times, we're going to win 9 of those 10s. But we lost the 1 because I think we're more talented and we're a better team. I think we're more talented and a better team than BYU. I think we're a stronger team than BYU. But if you go into the road, struggle early, maybe some of those nerves get to some of the younger guys. Uh, you're just not used to playing on the road because we haven't done it yet. Also... 
BYU is just bringing in a ton of emotion. And I'll talk about this in the oh yes, because I think that could potentially hurt them. But for the, for the oh no, there is a way it could help them. And that's some teams just begin to take on this Cinderella uh, attitude. And, and they just seem to have such a belief that they're going to win. And here's the thing. If this becomes a game that is close and close late... You have a team in BYU that just upset Tennessee at Tennessee and just upset USC at home. If this is close, this team believes that they can pull off wins. And this team has an ability they have shown to dig deep, deep down late in the game and pull off a a, a near miraculous win. I mean, that Tennessee game, they had a run down with five seconds left after like a 30, 40 yard pass and sneak in a field goal with no timeouts to get into overtime. And it was just, I mean, phenomenal uh, fortitude, phenomenal uh, energy and passion, and just a nail-biter of a win on the road. And so that really proves that this team does have some moxie deep down. So the way I see us losing it, if we drop some passes, if there's some missed tackles, if there's just some on-the-road mistakes, some bad holdings, some bad false starts, that keeps the game close late... And then late in the game, just sort of that Cinderella-ness of what BYU has had the last two weeks in, you know, the Zach Wilson scrambles and that that, that could be a, a nightmare of situation. I don't want to see this game close heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, that would make me nervous. Uh, and, and then the, the next factor would just be that altitude, that later in the game, that altitude's impacting us like it impacted USC, and it's not really impacting them. So that's that's the way I could see an, oh, no. We just kind of shoot ourselves in the foot a few times, and the belief and that Cinderella fairy dust that they seem to have going for them right now continues another week. Yes, but let's move on to that. from that. Let's turn our frowns of the, oh, no, upside, upside down. down to the, oh, oh yes. yes. And the oh yes is just the opposite of the oh no. It's the oh yes, how are we going to win? What do we have to do? Or what's going to happen for us to win this game? What we are all hoping for as Husky fans is for the oh yes to happen. So what's our oh yes this week against BYU? You know, uh, BYU has won two games, but they also have lost a game. And that game against Utah, which is by far the most talented team they've played, and I think we're the most talented team they've played since Utah, uh, and and that we just win because we are bigger, faster, stronger, plain and simple. Zach Moss had a field day for Utah against them. I think our three-headed monster of Ahmed, McGrew, and Newton um, are going to be just too tough for them to stop. I think Utah created a formula in the red zone. They gave the ball to Moss. He powered through. He got touchdowns. I think we follow that same formula. Do what we did against Hawaii in the red zone. Give the ball um, to Richard Newton. See him power through. I think our running backs will have a big day. Uh, I also think they have not faced a quarterback uh, near the caliber of Jacob Eason. Um, The closest would have been maybe the USC freshman. He seems to have a great arm. Uh, but he threw up a bunch of mistakes that I, I don't think we'll see Eason with three turnovers. Uh, so they, they haven't quite faced the level of talent. Tennessee, that's a big win at Tennessee, but Tennessee is is on the down. Everyone knows they're on the down. They're not the Tennessee they used to be. So it looks nice on paper, 
but they they've played one really great team in Utah and I think we're the second best team they've played and Utah handled them and handled them easily they handled them by giving the ball to Zach Moss I think we'll we'll do that and I also expect some more big passing plays Easton to Bryant Easton to our speedy receivers um, maybe we'll see some more Puka Nakua I think Peterson alluded to, to that he wants to get him the ball more and so I and, and Puka Nakua um adding in his side and speed, I think there's just too many weapons on offense uh, to keep this into that kind of low-scoring game going in uh, to, to a fourth quarter. Uh, I do think we'll be able to jump out into the big lead, a big lead. Uh, they had a ton of turnovers against Utah, too. And we're the best defense they've faced since then as well. Uh, I think our defense will be well-prepared. Like I said, we've, we've faced dual-threat quarterbacks nearly every game in some capacity, so I think we'll be ready for this one. Uh, I think we'll be ready for the road game. Uh, I think we still have something to prove. And here's the other thing. You look at BYU's record, and you're like, okay, 2-1, and one, they're good. They've got some solid wins. All that is true. But here's another thing that is true. They're one bounce away from losing to Tennessee. They're one bad bounce away from losing to USC. So they're two bounces from being 0-3 and, and us walking into this going, oh, this is an 0-3 team, no big deal. Uh, where we're one bounce away from being 3-0. So you're looking at two teams. One, a play away from being undefeated, and the other, two plays away from not having a win. And so... There is uh, some truth that eventually that glass slipper breaks, that you can only pull off crazy upsets for so long. And I think that is actually something in the long run, I think it's to our advantage that BYU has been playing extremely emotional games for three weeks in a row. They had the Utah game, which is against their, you know, in-state rival week one um, and dealing with all the motions of that. That also had a weather delay. Uh, like our cow weather delay. Then they travel all the way to Tennessee. Crazy double overtime win. Super, super high emotion win. USC game last week cleared the field. The stands rushed the field. Super emotional overtime win. So they're playing in these just crazy, intense nail biters. And it's hard to just pull off that kind of miraculous magic week after week after week. I think this is the week where that catches up to them. We have too much talent. We have too much strength on offense and defense. And they're going to be a little tired for, from being in just back-to-back, long, hard-fought, emotional dogfights. And I think in the long run, uh, Huskies do win comfortably. And we see um, really just dominance, both passing and running the ball. I think the defense will be strong. I I think it will win comfortably. Um, I expect our score to be in the high 30s, low 40s. Their score to be somewhere in the teens to low 20s. Oh, yes. I like that. I like the sound of that. That was a great uh, oh, yes. And I think we're going to win as well. I think our oh, yes is what we're going to be saying after the game on Saturday. I do not expect us to be putting our heads in our hands saying, oh, no. So I think uh, the oh yes, you convinced me. Okay. Oh yes, we're hey. going to win. That's right. <laughs> I was more convinced by your oh yes than your oh no. So there we go. <laughs> That's good. That, my friends, is what matters. 
So this is the first episode of the Purple Paradise podcast. Uh, we hope um, our listeners out there enjoyed it, or at least our one listener, my one friend who said he'd listen, hope he enjoyed it. Um, we are a new podcast, so we need your help getting the word out. Share with your friends, like us, and please, please like us. They like me. They really like <laughs> me. Um, thanks for listening, and go dogs. Go Huskies. Thank you for listening. You dope. <laughs> oh, thank you.